Okay, it's back to me again. Sometimes in church life I'm going to preach on books of the Bible. Sometimes in church life I'm going to preach on themes. And I'm going to preach on a theme now. And that theme is, how can Jesus ease our lockdown depression? Or how can Jesus speak peace to us? How can we get peace of mind, body, soul as we contemplate returning to society? maybe dealing with worries that that brings. And children, I want you to draw a big black dog barking and frightening church members and put a bit of a gap in between them because in a bit we're going to stick someone in, in the middle of those. But a big black scary dog, because some people get so frightened about things in life, it's almost as if there's a big scary dog. So that dog is a picture of scary things. I'm going to start with this sort of idea. Um, the idea is this. Ease and peace in depression, anxiety, whatever it is, um, is more about the state of our soul and our thoughts than it is about whether or not we're surrounded by comfortable things to distract us. Um, you can flood your life with pleasantries, the latest gadgets and gizmos. But the real issue, if tonight you're worried, anxious, or stuck in habitual sin, and you're just not connecting with the living God, the issue there is the soul and thoughts, rather than, oh, I don't have enough material stuff around me to cheer me up. Because you meet loads of people in life who have got Tons of stuff like around them, cars, food in the fridge, central heating, loads of luxuries in the Western world. But their bot, their mind and souls are just in the pit, in the pit, and they need desperate help or they need help desperately. Um, in the Bible, the ancient church is often told the worst thing you can do, ancient church, is pray to God and ask him to relieve you of your burdens if you're just going to get comfortable but remain miles away from him and that you hate him and that you love sin and stuff instead. Like depression and anxiety and sin is terrible to be dealing with, even if we're surrounded by comfortable things. So the ancient church is always told by the prophets, Look, God can be with you in this stuff, and that's the better way. Whether it's anxiety, depression, habits of death, sin, which can sometimes cause anxiety and depression, though not always. Like, you don't want to remain in the pit for the second half of this year as we're facing, like, what's going to happen in the next weeks and months? What's my, i got to go back to my job Oh, I got to juggle with my family in a different way, or my children and all that stuff, my church. If we're miles away from the Lord Jesus, we're basically like a dead body. I picture it like this, a dead body pretending we're alive and all right. And that, in my head, looks like this. Basically a corpse, a dead person, being sellotaped or strapped onto a skateboard, and then someone just booting it down the hill. And the wind sort of will make its arm flap about it's a bit weird, this, isn't it? And appear alive, and maybe the wind makes it small. But it's dead. And it's just fake appearances of life. That's exactly what 
your life will be like. You'll be a living corpse if you're miles away from Jesus and just trapped in the wondering what future's going to bring you and all that stuff. My next door have just built an extension. And the first thing they did to make sure that this, this, the building is steady and safe is they dug down and had a big foundation, a solid foundation. They went down, 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 down. down. And they secured the foundations, the basics. And then whatever weather comes now, it's not going to knock that building down. And it's possible with lockdown, depression, anxiety, and reintegration, anxiety, and questions, that we can be so solid in that and full of hope because the foundations of what our life is built on and connected to is right. Now, there are many triggers for stress, sin, anxiety in the, Bible, uh, in the world at the moment. I actually think a massive watershed for Great Britain was in the 1990s when John Major re, uh, insisted that shops can now open on Sundays and people stopped going to church. And what's happened since then is this like rat race has begun where everybody has to work all the time to like get a house, uh, get comfortable, keep up with the job promotions and all that stuff. And what's coming along with that is real like a spiking in social anxiety or causes of stress because people used to go to church and for one day a week they would just rest in the Lord and say, I tell you what, he can handle my future. Even if I get sacked from my job, he can handle it. And we would used to remind ourselves of that every Sunday and take like this Sabbath rest it's based on, isn't it, in the Old Testament. Well, that's gone down the swanee. So now we're carrying all of life's burdens ourselves and we can't. And so the, the current, these stats now are just exponentially growing. In the UK at the moment, in any given year, one in four of us will experience some kind of mental health struggle. One in four. Also, mental illness is now the most common cause of work absence in Great Britain. And globally, it constitutes the largest single source of world economic burden at $2.5 trillion a year from people not being in work or having to be looked after because they're struggling in this area. If you struggle with mental illness, or if you don't, this is still relevant to you because you now know someone that does. If you study the church in the Middle Ages, which is one of my favorite periods, people weren't struggling with existential crises and questions like who's gonna handle my future or my week because they were all going to church. Loads of them were trusting Jesus with those big things because he can carry it. He'll guide the church to glory one day, but now we're having to deal with this stuff ourselves and we can't. Here's some lockdown statistics. Feelings of loneliness have more than doubled in the lockdown period. The Mental Health Foundation is now warning about the long-term risk to uh, our health because of the mental health problem of loneliness. Even with eases coming and reintegration will still be slow, which is causing troubling thoughts for a large percentage of 
excuse me, society. And they've got, oh, what if there's a second wave coming as well and the illness is going to finish me off. Also, domestic abuse has risen in lockdown and addictions to alcohol, pornography and gambling have spiked. What am I going to do with all these problems? I'm going to take it out on someone because I can't handle it. I'm going to beat someone up. That'll make me feel better. I'm going to drink myself to, to sleep and make an idol of that sort of ease that alcohol can bring for a few hours. I'm going to swallow some sort of drug to just help me escape. But, ladies and gentlemen, Christians, Jesus-centered church members can do better than that. We can handle life going forward, and only us can, really, handle it in a way that's really lasting and really robust. Um, there is ease to be had and peace to, to be had in lockdown and integration. Way more than the momentary ease that beating someone, else, beating someone up might bring us, um, however tempting that might be. I've been struck by this verse recently in uh, lockdown. And it's 1 Peter chapter 3.15, and it says this. Um, in your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy. See, that's a heart thing, by the way. So that's not like an external shopping thing that we need to buy. Inside us, honour Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And do it with gentleness and respect. So, church members are to have a hope which is so obvious and just shining out from us, then people are going to ask us about it and we can tell them. And it's a solid hope. If anyone, whether you're a Christian or not, this is all relevant to you as a human being, if anyone or anything is your hope in life for Monday or this week or in your marriage or in your workplace or as grandparents or as church members or someone who's ill and facing death, whatever, if anything is your hope other than Jesus, it will end in disaster. Um, I remember watching... Um, Bear Grylls program, The Island, where basically Bear Grylls selected a group of people and just dumped them on an island and sort of said, good luck, try and survive. There's a pig over there. All the, all the best with that. Um, and when Channel 4 were interviewing them for the reasons that they applied to go to the island, it was really interesting because they would say things like this. I just feel lost. And I just need to find myself. And I was thinking... If you're lost, how are you going to find yourself? That's like a circle that never ends. Or they'd say, I'm looking for something. Or, I need a new adventure. Or, I've done the children thing. Or the marriage thing. Now I need time for me. And I was thinking, yeah, that's exactly what happens if our hope in life or our purpose is based on marriage. When that breaks down, we're like, oh, what else? Wait, that was me. What now? Or if the children move out and all you've ever aspired to be is a parent, when the children move out, you're like, oh, my foundation's gone. What do I do now? I better go and chase some pigs on an island. Or health is a massive one. I need to live for the comfort of health because when COVID-19 comes and takes our loved ones away or takes us away, we are in massive existential 
problems and worries and anxiety. Then sin will bubble up and we'll get addicted to stuff to try and cope. I remember when Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, well, I don't remember it because he died before I was alive. I remember reading when Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a great preacher, he was asked, what are you going to do now you've retired from preaching? What are you going to do with yourself? And he said, well, I'll be fine. I never lived for preaching. I only lived for Jesus. And I was like, yes, that's it. That's my sermon. We're not to base our lives on anything other than Jesus. And those other things are great, by the way. Children, family, marriage, church, health, food, drink, probably not drugs. Um, in their place, great. But boy, do they make horrible idols which just collapse. So I, in this sermon, call us now to Jesus. To Jesus to see how he can help. To talk to Jesus now where we are and say, Lord, be my foundation. So when sorrows like sea billows roll, as long as you're with me, I will be okay. And then to share that with others in this area of Cardiff. Jesus brings ease and life into the following areas, depression and loneliness. Depression caused by the rise of sin during lockdown. He can ease with the destructive sense of guilt and shame that that brings. He can deal with the anxiety about what's around the corner in the future. He can deal with the anxiety and the need of guidance in our home lives, friendships, and workplaces. So each night, ladies and gents, we read the Bible uh, in Bible Hour, and we recently finished the Psalms, which is why we asked our friends to read the Psalms there. And we, ran, we, we read Psalm 88 because the sons of Korah have a terrible day. And they basically say this, the earth has literally swallowed us up. You can read that back in Numbers 16, I think. The earth literally gobbles them up because their dad had just been a complete twonk and tried to deny the work of Jesus and just swan into the presence of God as if he was the, the great high priest. That does not end well. And they say, we're just full of troubles. But then they say, in our troubles, we called out to the living God and he heard us and brought us out of the pit. Jesus, that's even about Jesus who went down into a pit, but the Father and the Spirit were with him and eventually brought him out. But they were with him in it as well. It's the story of the Bible and it all ends okay in the end. It all ends okay when we trust the living God. And then Ricky B spiced it up even more because he read a passage about Jesus in Isaiah 53 which says Jesus himself was very familiar with grief and sorrow. Now you're thinking, hold on a minute, Owen. I thought this was about how Jesus is going to relieve us of grief and sorrow. What help is he going to be if he's experienced grief and sorrow? What? That is the answer. This is where I just want to land now for the last bits of this talk. It is a fact of life, right? Because we're made in the image of the Father, Son, and Spirit, and we're quite relational beings, it is a fact that friendship can ease depression, sin, 
anxiety and burdens. It can ease our loneliness. It can ease our sinful state. A good friend can pull us out. So the children have drawn like a dog barking at the ancient church. What you've got to do now is put a special friend in between that dog as he like growls and scares church. Just put a picture of Jesus in the middle of those two. It's really interesting that the God of the Bible, he knows what it is to go through what we go through. No other God does that. He knows what we go through and even more than what we've been through, he has been through. Um, Stephen Fry, not someone I would turn to for theological advice much, but he said, he basically sums up this sermon without even knowing, even though he hates Jesus. He says this, when he was talking about mental illness, which he struggled with a lot, he says, something happens in the interplay of two people sharing a journey. Such an interchange might occur in a professional context, but it also might happen in a friendship. So even the world recognizes the glory of a friend who can ease our troubles. Now for the church, the miracle is that friend is the living God himself, Jesus Christ. Uh, we've also read Job recently in the Bible. Job had terrible friends trying to ease him in his sort of lockdown COVID-19 barking dog experience. He lost his family and friends. They died. And he had bad friends giving bad advice. Christians have a good friend in Jesus who whispers good advice. And we turn to him all the time. We, Job's, Job actually, actually had to say to his friends, how long will you torment me with this terrible advice and break me in pieces with your words? How long? We can have bad friends in those dark days. Um, addictive patterns, destructive friends, the friend of gambling, the friend of alcohol, the friend of pornography, the friend of turning to internet blogs and their ideas of the world, the friend of too much philosophy. All of that can be advice that we need to run away from because it's stopping us from giving time to listening to the living God, Jesus. Because he, and this is what Job says, he, Jesus, is my friend. He actually says, my intercessor. That means, children, the one who talks to the Father about us. He's called an intercessor. That's Jesus. The one who is in heaven now talking to the Father about me and what I'm going through. He is my friend. Not these other things. It's Jesus who says this. I'm climbing down into the dark cave with you and I will experience your grief and sorrow and sin and shame in it. I will climb down there in it with you. When that big black dog of evil, anxiety, worry, sin barks at you, I will stand between you. I will pull you out of it and wash you clean from it. Think about me. Talk to me. Dear world, turn from a Jesusless life 
to a Jesus' full life. Does Jesus uh, ease our lockdown burdens? Well, yeah, he's the closest friend we'll ever have, if we want him to be. He's been through it. And I want to close by us being in awe of this. He went down into the pit like the sons of Korah, where he ultimately took on sin, death, anxiety, depression, hopelessness. He got punished. He took all of that on. Father punished him. Then the father brought him out as a more powerful being than those things. So he has the final word in those things. And he promises he's going to bring us to those things. He cried out, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He went through that. He gets it. He can advise us in it. He cried out this, my God, my God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? He's been through it. And so that we now can look to where he is, the other side of it, and be in awe. And my friend wrote this, the Christian, and only the Christian, has this uh, in the face of suffering. Jesus is risen, and he will take us through the valley of the shadow of death to feasting joy. What Jesus did with his own suffering, he will do with our suffering, transform it. He might keep us in it for a bit longer, but he is going to transform it. And at the end of the Gospels, we see Jesus Christ risen from the dead. He is the future. He is a foretaste of the cosmic harmony that's coming. And what's the future look like in the Gospels when Jesus is back from the dead? Joyful reunions, long walks in the countryside with friends, deep conversations into the night, fishing with friends, barbecues on the beach, feasting and family, and face-to-face -face communion with the Lord and his Father in the power of the Spirit who has loved us all the way to hell and back. That is the future. That is the Son rise. That will keep us secure in this needy world. The idol of booze and death and porn and beating up our spouses, terrible. Jesus is life. Come to him each day and he will give you life. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Spirit. Amen. Let's find out more about him at nine o'clock tonight, and we will see you there. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Amen.